My name is Keith Beavers, and this, wine lovers, is the last episode of season four of the Wine 101 podcast. What's going on, wine lovers from the Vine Pair Podcasting Network? This is the Wine 101 Podcast. My name is Keith Beavers, and I am the tastings director of Vine Pair. Today, we're talking about something very important in wine and in general the future of wine in America and the world and what it looks like. Diversity in wine, let's get into it. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by La Marca. Meet Prosecco Rosé, the newest official category from this historic region. Prosecco. La Marca's Prosecco Rosé is the standard bearer in Northern Italy when it comes to this type of wine. If you want to surprise and delight your friends with what's sure to become an instant staple in their bubbly lineup, this is the one for you. Wine lovers, as we end season four of this podcast, I want to get a snapshot of where we're at in our wine culture. At Vine Pair, one of our mottos is, actually our main motto is, drinking is culture. And I am the one that talks about the wine culture. So I want to talk about the future of wine and what it looks like, what it feels like, what it tastes like. And I want to talk about equality, inclusiveness, and diversity, and what that looks like now, and where it's going, and the future is bright, I can tell you that. And I know this because of Reggie Leonard II, the Virginia wine hype man. I don't want to get too much into it, because this is a good interview, wine lovers. You're going to love this. Reggie is an amazing guy. Him and his team down in Virginia are creating something special and with in doing that are bringing or shining a light on diversity, inclusivity and everything that really makes wine truly exciting and awesome. Also, get a pen and paper or your iPhone ready and the pause button ready because at the end of this episode, he rolls off so many amazing organizations working towards this goal. Without further ado, wine lovers, I introduce to you Reggie Leonard II. Reggie Leonard II, what is going on down there in Virginia, my man? I am so excited that you're here to talk to me today because you and I met a couple years ago, I was mm-hmm. at a um, an amazing event down in Atlanta uh, mm-hmm. called the Wine and Culture Fest, and I was at the uh, the brunch and awards ceremony. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to these really awesome people, and I was telling them how much I enjoy Virginia wine. Yeah, and um, they're like, "You got to know this dude named Reggie." I'm like, yeah. "Okay, what what do I got to do?" Well, just follow him on Instagram. <laughs> DM him and go from there. I'm like, okay. And I didn't even know why, dude. I don't even know why I DM'd you. <laughs> I just DM'd you and I say, like, hey, yeah. you don't know who I am. Let's yep. Zoom. And you're like, okay. 
Yeah. Who is this dude? You know, I was like, I'm not sure why I'm saying okay, but I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And so what, what ended up happening is I realized when talking to you, what I just like, well, so what are you doing? What's up? What's this thing? It's what, something's going down in Virginia that I was told about, and I need to talk to you about it, what's going on. And you just yeah. let me know. And, and it's, it's, it's amazing. You ha you're doing yeah, something down you. in Virginia. That's very important in wine in America. And, um, it's an overarching, I mean, I'll let you explain most of it. It's, uh, it's universe. Mm -hmm. It's two up wine down mm -hmm. these two entities that are part of a larger mm -hmm. organization that Virginia is mm -hmm. starting and, mm -hmm. um, started. I mean, I was yeah. down there last year, this year I wanted to go last year. I couldn't, I went down this year. Yeah. I'm in love. I can't take it. I can't take it. I'm already um, one of the people I was on the trip with from the Black Wine Guy experience. We're already trying to figure out how to get back down there next yeah, year. Yeah, MJ Tyler. Yeah, yeah. Oh, MJ's great. Yeah, yeah, he's um, great. So this episode that I have here, um, the title of this episode is The Diversity in Wine. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk to you about this subject because mm -hmm. I think it's very important. Um, I think it's part of how we're evolving as a drinking culture in America mm -hmm. and what I see you doing down there in Virginia. I'm in New Jersey. That's why I'm saying down there yeah. is because when I think of diversity in wine, I think of what you're doing down there. Mm. Um, so I guess, first of all, why don't you introduce yourself and just say like, yeah. so just kind of explain what you are doing in Virginia. Sure. Yeah. So like Keith mentioned, like you mentioned, um, I am Reggie Leonard II. I'm down here in Charlottesville, Virginia. That's central Virginia. It's a couple of hours south of D.C. slash northern Virginia. Um, and so we're right in the middle of the state. Um, in terms of AVAs or American Viticultural Associations or areas, we are in the Monticello AVA. Um, that's where I'm based. And um, so that's a place where there's a large concentration of wineries, but there's also a large concentration of history here as well. It's where Thomas Jefferson's Monticello um, is. It's also um, where James Monroe's Montpelier is as well and the University of Virginia. So we have a couple of UNESCO World Her Heritage Sites in this small little town. Um, and I, get re I really got connected to wine through going to free wine tastings at a local shop. Um, it was not something I grew up with on the table. Wine was not something I ever saw myself getting into because it kind of seemed like art and art galleries and things like that, where in my mind, there was this perception that you almost had to have an art history degree to have a baseline knowledge of even being able to understand what you were looking at when you went into a gallery. And in a similar sense, I felt like that about mine, where like there were all of these flavor descriptors and words about what you were smelling and talking about palate and all that kind of stuff. And they, ju they just seemed to be a lexicon that you needed to come in with in order to even understand something that you're freaking drinking. I'm like, I drink things every day and I don't need all that for that. Um, you know, and so there were people who own this wine shop, um, initially a guy named Robert, but eventually and most prominently Sean and Thad, um, who co-owned this wine shop that just demystified wine for me in the sense that they didn't even do it in an active way of trying to like help me reframe certain flavor notes and tasting notes. They just let me be there and let me experience the wines in the way I experienced. And they didn't ask me to describe in flowery, esoteric words or anything like that. They're like, do you like it? Do you not? Like, 
you like this one better than that one? And I was like, oh, like, I mean, I can talk about it like this, um, you know, and that was kind of my entree into wine. And then pretty early on in that journey, um, I went to a seated tasting at that wine shop with Ben Jordan and Maya Hood White. Um, and they were both at Early Mountain at the time. And they just both created so much space for curiosity and for um, experiencing the wines just in, in my ignorance, you know, and I just felt welcomed and then did the same thing again a couple of months later with Kirsty Harmon and with uh, Corey Craighill, um, two other Virginia winemakers. And I was just like, these people are great. And it was the people that kept bringing me back to Virginia wine. But then when I would go and travel and start going to wine bars, now that I had my sea legs under me a bit, and I felt comfortable comfortable in my own skin um, to sit at a wine bar, not that wine bars and places weren't accessible. I just didn't perceive them to be. But when I started to, I started to realize that wine people were just awesome everywhere. And then I started meeting wine uh, winemakers and I'm just like, I, I guess it makes sense that this is a hospitality industry and, you know, like so yeah. many people are, are, they skew towards wanting to host people and wanting to invite people in. Um, and yet there were also these kind of gatekeeping sorts of um rituals and um, certifications and all of these other like kind of pieces of the water that you're swimming in and wine that also felt adjacent that a lot of people were talking about. Um and I was trying to figure out how to figure out like where I fit into this wine space and all of that. And that's where a friend uh, through wine, uh, Tracy Love over at Blenheim um, Winery in Virginia here in Charlottesville, she and I started talking about Virginia wine and wine in general and, you know, like why we didn't see more um, varieties of expressions of how to experience wine, how to make wine, context to drink wine in things to pair wine with, et cetera. And really all of that led to conversations of creating the universe, um, which is really based in Virginia and is a way to explore um, and create space for all the different ways that wine can look and all of the different people that can experience wine from a consumer basis and from a professional basis. We're trying to create capacity for people who want to get into working in wine to do that. Um, and so we do, we're doing that doing that through something called EnoCamp. And I can talk about that a little bit later if if interested. Um, and then we have an Eniverse Club to get more consumers into wine in a more accessible way. So it's priced very aggressively in order for it to be accessible and for people to join their first wine club. Um, things like that are what we're trying to build. We're trying to functionally create on-ramps um, for people who have not experienced wine as customers or as professionals um, in a meaningful way to be able to do so. So I'll, I'll kind of stop there. Um, but yeah, there's so, so many people that are involved in that effort. And I fully intend to name drop during this conversation. Drop. Keith, so forgive me in advance. But all of this is a collective effort um, for, for all of us, not just in Virginia, but we're all connected and the internet really helps us do that. So Universe is a collective building, community building entity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it is, I mean, it's energetic. It's so energetic. I, I love it. I was, I only dipped my toe in it this year and I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm actually excited just from like up here. I'm excited. Um, Thank you. But um, so, and two up wine down is an yeah. annual celebration yes. of what the work you guys do every year yes. with Universe. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it functionally looks like a wine festival. And we host that um, down here at the Jefferson School African American Heritage Center in the center of Charlottesville. Um, lots of historical significance there. It's amazing. Um, and one of the first shout outs that I'll give is to Sadell McCall, who actually 
on November 30th, uh, like published um, something on Psalm TV's uh, website where he wrote about the kind of history of um, Virginia wine through the lens of African-American enslavement um, and would Virginia wine even be a thing. And he interviewed one of the folks that works at the Jefferson School African-American Heritage Center and goes a little bit into that history. So if you're interested in hearing why we picked that as the place to host to Up Wine Down, that's a great um, place to read about it. And um, what's really cool about To Up Wine Down is that we invite folks from across the state of Virginia to come down and curate Virginia wines from various wineries and then to pour them um, and to add their narrative around how they would talk about that wine and why they picked that wine. And so the fact that it's curated not by like a core group of festival curators who are kind of the Psalms or anything like that, who pick all of the wines for the festivals, but it's distributed and the wines are picked by 15, 16 different people show uh, like allows for a lot of variation and diversity in palate. Um, and so we had some sweet wines, we had some off dry wines, we had some dry wines, we had some bubbles, we had rosé, we had skin contact, orange wines and things like that, um, or more so skin contact wines, not necessarily orange wines. Um, and it was really cool because we also had a DJ there and we had um, a we had a, a Filipino food truck, we had, or excuse me, we had a Thai food truck, um, we had a Caribbean food stall. Um, and then we also had a vegan soul food spot as well. And these are all foods that are not necessarily traditional wine pairing foods when you're reading about um, wine pairings and things like that. Of course, a lot of people are trying to be more avant-garde with their wine pairings these days. But just from a traditional standpoint, those are not normal ways to pair wine. And that was something that we actively wanted to cultivate is like, what are the foods that you would eat on an everyday basis to show you that like wine doesn't have to be, um, you know, this fancy celebratory thing solely. It doesn't only have to be a thing that you do when you feel like you're being bougie. It's a thing that you can just have, you know, like mm -hmm. with takeout or with an everyday meal. And so, yeah, two up, wine down is really this thing where we're able to kind of converge all of this, um, these different experiences of wine in one where hopefully people are experiencing wine in a way that they haven't before that makes them feel more comfortable showing up to wine spaces, buying wine, drinking wine, pairing wine with different things, um, just generally adopting wine as more of an everyday cultural thing for them. And what I love about this is the, I don't, I don't think I've seen this. I mean, I'm sure there, there might be other places in the country doing something like this, but I've not seen something as, um, Energetic. I keep on saying energetic, but it's more than that. Yeah. It's 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 a there's a there's a momentum. Yeah, the energy is there, of course. I mean, you guys are so organized. I just, as a former <laughs> business owner, I swear, I was down. I'm like, you guys just got it down. I mean, like, yeah, there's that's, no that's Tracy Love and Tiffany Nguyen. Oh like, man, they're amazing. It's just like everything <laughs> yes, was are. so well organized, and it's like yeah. when you have something this important happening, that organization yeah. is so important. Yeah, and what I what I love about this is when you and I first met. You were like, I want to, I want to create a space that I needed that I got yeah. for other people. Yeah, and I yes. feel like um, this comes into the whole diversity of wine. Yeah, um, because you're telling me about your experience, and then you're talking about how about you want to draw people from all over the place into this experience. But then yes. also, there's the winemaking aspect of this. There's the sustainability beyond agriculture. There's a sustainability yeah. with inclusivity and, and diversity. So you are somebody that I'm seeing doing it on the ground every day. So like yeah. what just 
diversity in wine. Like, what are we trying? Yeah. What are we? What are we doing here? What are we trying to accomplish? <laughs> yeah, that's the age-old question. Yes. I mean, I, I think it's one of those things that, like, it in some ways, like the the conversation around diversity in wine has jumped the shark, and in other ways, it's just getting started. And it, it's really interesting because. There, there are a lot of organizations that have ostensibly been created as diversity in wine initiatives who aren't even talking about themselves in that way anymore. Um, and I think that that's just what growth looks like and evolution looks like. But essentially, the end game is the point of diversification of wine. And so by proxy diversity in wine is that there's so many different types of personalities and ethnic backgrounds and like flavor profile, you know, palettes that exist within the world that aren't necessarily regularly represented in wine. And there's so many tropes, like you can't be what you can't see and all of that kind of stuff that exists in the world that really kind of lend to this fact that like the more rep, the more versions of representation of a thing that you have, the more people can pattern match and say, oh, that's like me. That person is like me or they do it like I do it. And so that means that I can do that thing. And so to me at the core, that's really what diversity in wine is all about. Not necessarily diversity initiatives in wine. Diversity initiatives kind of approach tackling that problem in a lot of different ways. Um, so one of the things that has historically been the case is that there have historically been um, a lot of reasons why a lot of communities of color or from um, financially marginalized communities have not participated in Careers in wine, for instance, are sometimes you need certifications and those cost a lot of money to pay for the certifications. And then it costs a lot of money to buy the wine and things like that. And so it's not that you're not interested in it. Maybe you are, but you just don't have the resources to actively pursue it. And your employer is not necessarily paying for it as well because you're early in your career and it's a chicken or egg thing. And so a lot of organizations are paying um, for those certifications and also providing wraparound mentorship support to make sure that people feel supported um, in studying because a lot of times people have either not continued in schooling in a formal way or have been out of school in a really long way. And now all of a sudden they have to study something as an adult and it's like, crap, like I, I need some accountability, I need some help. And so a lot of these organizations are creating that. You also have this kind of um, difference between mentorship and sponsorship where mentorship is kind of really guiding people and providing coaching and things like that, whereas sponsorship is spending your social capital on behalf of someone else in order for them to get an opportunity that they likely wouldn't have gotten without your sponsorship. And so a lot of these organizations are also doing that work of leveraging the capital that they've built in the industry for decades and for a long time and marshalling all of that social capital in an aggregated way to be able to like create applications for people to get harvest internships in Burgundy and, you know, go on enrichment trips to Champagne and, you know, like start making their first vintage of wine at custom crush facilities and all of that sort of thing. And the, what you start to see there now is um, people who like customer bases who weren't paying attention to wine because they didn't feel represented in it, suddenly seeing their friends, their neighbors, their family members making wines or pursuing a career in wine, yeah. doing something with wine other than turning up, um, you know, like which like is all no shade to that. Got to turn up. Right. All about the turn up. <laughs> yeah, uh, like that and like people are also now seeing it as a viable career path. And the more people 
for more backgrounds that are in wine as a career, whether they be on the floor as a psalm, they're producing wine, they're a wine educator, they're a wine influencer, whatever the case may be, the more folks in their circles will start to see that as a viable career. And then you start to see more and more people start to build community with each other um, to further their careers, to talk about their experiences of being new in this age-old industry. Um, and then you start to see more and more people become interested. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many of my friends are like, so you're, you're making a wine? And first vintage, and I'm getting tons of people like, what's it like to make a wine? You know how many winemakers are here? Like how many people they could have been asking <laughs> yes. that they haven't because they're not that, they're not like them. You know, like, and, and all of a sudden, after decades of people already having been making wine in this region, people are now asking me during my first vintage, and I don't even have anything in bottle yet. Um, and so that's case in point. Like, people just need to see people that come from backgrounds like them, and that can mean a lot of different things. And so that's why I really think that diversity really means as many versions of representation as possible. Um that's when you start to see wine become relevant for a lot more people, and especially in a category, in an industry that we're constantly talking about numbers declining of customers purchasing wine. Like, why wouldn't that be something that we want to see happen? New people coming in who weren't buying before that are. Yeah, and I think what's this is why I, I like what, talking about Virginia is because there's two things that I see down there um, in tandem with what you're doing. Um, the Verajan project. Verajan project. The Verajan yeah, project yeah, yeah. and also yeah. the Commonwealth Crush. Yes, like yes. These two things it. to me are part of uh, pieces of what you're doing. So what are, what yeah. are those about? Yeah, I mean, the Ration Project is so cool. Like, they're one of the entities um, that started in 2020. Um, Carly and Avril are, are leading the charge there, along with an amazing board and amazing volunteers. And they have all types of things. They do enrichment programs. One of them is um, a Sonoma Emergent immersion program. Oh, nice. um, and then they've also done a Virginia immersion program. They did that last year with us. Um, that was Eno Camp. And then they're going to do it again with us this coming year, which is really exciting, where essentially they um, they essentially facilitate an application process for people that are interested in working in wine professionally um, to be exposed to a wine industry in depth. Um, like, And so for us, it's the Virginia wine industry for the Virginia Wine Immersion Program. So vineyard site visits, um, education about the history of Virginia wine, uh, like barrel tastings, um, kind of classroom setting sorts of things, uh, wine dinners with winemakers and other producers. Um, and just really a deep dive into the industry while also being able to network and build lots of valuable connections that led to a lot of people being offered harvest internships and awesome. things like that on the spot even, wow. um, you know, which was really cool. And so the next step is being able to build some infrastructure infrastructure to support housing um, to be able to get some of those folks out here who would do it, but just some of that cost, overhead costs is a lot. And that's actually another thing that Verasian Project does is they have a bridge program where they essentially pay uh, or uh, allow people to apply for funding that allows them to kind of land the plane on whatever um, opportunity they want. So say, for instance, they land an internship in Virginia, but they live on the West Coast and maybe they have their housing covered, but they need to get here. And so like 
the bridge funding will pay for a plane ticket. There are all these little last mile things that um, seem insignificant and seem easy enough to figure out, but actually aren't really easy to figure out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of these organizations kind of help fill in some of those gaps. Um, They're that caulk in between the bricks and things like that. Um, And then for, sorry, what was the other organization? Well, this that that makes sense. Commonwealth Crush. Yeah, Commonwealth Crush Uh is kind of part of that as well. That bridge yeah, yeah, situation. Yeah. And so like there, I mean, there are a lot of uh, kind of collectives and um, uh, kind of custom crush facilities, especially out on the West Coast. And that's not necessarily a model that we have in Virginia um, historically. And so they really wanted to create a way for you to be for more producers to be able to get started without owning a ton of land or without having to purchase a ton of land um, in order to get started. I mean, if if we're not we haven't defined what Virginia wine is yet. It's still in process. Um, And so if that's true, then that means that there's so much potential to be cultivated in what grapes grow where and what styles we can make wine in and things like that. And so the earlier we can get more voices contributing to that conversation in terms of producers who are making smaller batch projects um, that are a little bit more avant-garde or even just new, like just new, even with vinifera um, or new with hybrids and things like that, but just their take on it is a little bit different. Um, that's going to allow us to see more of what Virginia wine can be. And that's what Commonwealth Crush exists for, um, to be able to like create a, an incubator for those small projects or to provide custom crush um, services to them. And so Speaking of the incubator piece, that's that's something that I'm a part of, along with Lance Lemon. Um, he and I have a project called the Parallel Project, and Lance is killing it as well. Um, you know, and he's he's just yeah. We just gave him a next wave like, award. Yeah, he, he yes, he just got a next wave award with pennies with Kristen Gardner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like they're killing it. Yeah, that's so. Um, that's Lee Campbell and Ben Jordan that are running the game yeah. at the Commonwealth. Yeah. That place is absolutely beautiful. I had a chance to to visit, and I have. You know, I don't, I've don't, I don't think I've seen something like this on the, on the, on the East coast. I don't, yeah. it's an old, it's real. I mean, my God, it was peak metal fall. It was an old metal, <laughs> metal factory. It's huge. Yeah. Like two football fields, huge. Yeah. And you guys are just doing it from the ground up. And I, he goes, as yeah. a, as a former small business owner, I, I, I see yeah. it. I see the building. Yeah. I see the, 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 the hurdles, the barriers that you have to yeah. get over. And it's just yeah. amazing what's going on there and giving people opportunities. And you are yeah. making wine, which is just like, yeah. you're like, you know, a couple of years ago, I got into wine. Now I'm making a wine. <laughs> it's just like yeah, amazing, that escalated you know? I mean, I've, I mean I, I, I've never done that. That's absolutely incredible. And what I what yeah. I love about, so with diversity in people, diversity, yeah. you know, in gender, and yeah. then also I believe, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but diversity in varieties Absolutely. I mean, we're talking like whether it's a hybrid, hybrid vinifera blend, or this new concept that's not very new, but like mix, you know, mixed fruit fermentation. Exactly. This, I believe, allows a, not a casualness, was it like an ease? Like, yo, yeah. we're just here to make good stuff to drink and enjoy it. We don't need to be pretentious. There's a Absolutely. variety of grapes we can choose from, whether it's vinifera or hybrid. We can do this, and Doesn't that even have to be grapes, right? Could and it be feeds. Apples. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> like, that, I had a crab apple chambray. It was a crab apple traminer. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, traminet. Yeah, yeah. Amazing <laughs> stuff. I mean, I was like, oh yeah. my god, it's so good. It was my first time having. I'd never had a mixed yeah. fruit. You know. Wh- oh, what, nice. Well, yeah. What, what are we calling them? Wine just ciders. Just co-ferment. Just, yeah, just co-ferment. wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't even know. Wine. I mean, and that's one of my favorite things about like 
some of the conversations that are happening here. I mean, one of my favorite projects coming out of Virginia is Patois, um, run by Patrick Collins and Danielle, and they're they're killing it and they're making ostensibly a cider, um, and they, but they refer to it as wines. Um, mm-hmm. And so they're they're Venice cider. Like there's so many different ways that you can describe it, but it's a wine. You drink it out of a wine glass. Mm-hmm. They're making it in a traditional method when it's sparkling. They're making some still wines as well. Um, sometimes they're co-fin co-fermenting them with grapes or pears. Um, but it's compelling because if you think about wine as if, if you think of wine in more of a format or a process rather than like a process applied specifically to grapes, then wine can be a lot of things. Um, you know, it can be made out of a lot of things. And so mead, um, you know, there's a meadery that's down here, uh, called Thistle Rock Mead and they're gearing to be fully sustainable. Um, and they're doing really cool things with pollinators and bees and things Amazing. like that. And they're making mead, but they refer to it as honey wine and mm-hmm. they refer to it as wine. Um, you know, because again, the process is the same, um, you know, with the yeast and sugar and things like that. And so it's, it's a fascinating time to be coming up in wine as well for myself and for a lot of newer professionals who frankly are a part are are recipients of a lot of these awards from many diversity organizations um they were our on ramps into wine they have done their jobs well um you know like folks like the roots fund and the hue society and mm-hmm. you know all of those types of organizations batnage forum co-fermented that darwin and crew were doing um you know like i said i was gonna do some shout outs um, and so out. i want to make sure that people know where to find where the work is doing and where to support so that the work continues to go um to go on but i mean i think about a conversation i had with a distributor friend a couple a few maybe maybe a month and a half ago and um we were talking about cornas um you know and north the Ronde Syrah and things like that. And I was like, you know, like I keep seeing, I, I keep hearing people tell me that like, you can't touch those wines for a decade or more, but every time I drink one, they, they're so drinkable and they're all like, oh yeah, yeah. This isn't like traditional style. And I'm like, I, the trend that I'm noticing is that everyone's saying that all of the new ones are not non-traditional, but they're still holding on to the narrative that you have to wait for at least 10 years. And I'm like, what if it changed? What if the way that they're producing wines is different. And like, that's also what a lot of people are saying, but yet they're still holding on to the narrative that like, you have to hold on to these wines for so-and-so amount of time. And I just think it's fascinating that like in a similar way to me and a whole cohort of folks that really entered the industry between 2020 and now are entering the industry, we don't have the knowledge and dare I say baggage um, that a lot of you all who have been in the industry for a long time have. And what I mean by that is we just don't have a lot of preconceived notions. And so there are a lot of things that we don't need demystified. We're just experiencing them in real time. And so for me, co-ferments, hybrids, non-vernifera wines have always been normal. That's my normal. Mm -hmm. And that's a weird world to grow up in. And it's almost the divide that we see in technology where all of the kids that are young and in elementary school are going to grow up on AI, not just the internet, not just social media, but like in the age of chat GPT and large language models. And that's, they're going to have a fundamentally different understanding of technology than we have, Mm -hmm. even though we have a deep understanding of technology. I mean, we're recording a podcast states away with external audio sources. I mean, we're Mm -hmm. not like, you know, uh, 
unaware of technology. And similarly, I think that like that's going to be an interesting shift to keep an eye out on in the wine industry where like there, there are almost these, these generations. And I don't even mean in terms of age, but in terms of like epoch, if you will, of norms and, and kind of acceptable practices of wine that are now starting to coexist together. And I think that that's really cool. Um, and it creates a lot of opportunity for a lot of, um, new customers to enter into wine, but it might mean that folks who have been in wine for a long time um, need to take things like hybrids and co-ferments a little bit more seriously because those are the expectations of newer customers and newer entrants into the industry. Yeah, and we we would be fooling ourselves to think that wine had this one thing that happened this one decade and that's the way wine's made and we're done. Yeah, the, exactly. Muscadet was... Which is made by a grape that was given to that place by the Dutch to make yeah. brandy. Pinotage. What what would happen if people didn't realize in Muscadet mm. you put, you know, what, what if we put, just let it let rest in the leaves for 30 months or whatever? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like someone came up with that. You know, someone yeah. created, you know, we've had the traditional method of, of making sparkling wine and yeah. some dude down in, in Asti <laughs> create mana, mana, um, mana, oh, I can't remember his last name, but he, this Italian guy, he created the, yeah. the, 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 the tank method. I love it. You know, and like, it's like we, 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 the wine world evolves out of happy accidents yeah. and mistakes. Yeah. And like Amarone exists because someone let Rechotto ferment to dry. And now yeah. it's one of the most famous big red wines. And you know, like we don't, Absolutely. we don't, we don't get to, we don't get to hold on to the past. Yeah. And and the thing is, you know, Europe has laws. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, before the 1960s in Italy, it was like whatever you want to do. You know, <laughs> it's like before yeah. the 19, before the 1930s in France is like do whatever you want. But it's like <laughs> here we are in a place that is still considered the wild west of wine. Yeah. Like we, we get to do this and we get yeah. to, and the thing is, man, the wines are good. Yeah. That's the cool thing. I, We're not I even agree. doing it to do it. We're yeah. people, this younger generation, this new generation of winemakers, this very diverse, yeah. very exciting yeah. group of winemakers are like, what if we, what if we co-fermented Pinot Gris and Pinot Noir? Who cares? Exactly. If it comes out great, it comes out great. And I think that is also a part of the diversity of wine is not, yeah. like you said, like I've been in the wine world for a long time. Yeah. And you know, I, <laughs> I, you know, when you come up in the wine world, you taught certain things and like, why would yeah. you do something different? You know? And there was a yeah. moment where I was like hybrids. I mean, this is years ago. I was like hybrids. Why yeah. do we even do hybrids? Cause you know what? I would go down to like, you know, North Carolina or something and mm -hmm. someone put it, would give me a glass of muscadine. I'm like, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing right now. I don't know what's yeah. going on right now. You know, well, because, shout out to Plebe Winery. They make a wild muscadine wine, but they make some really cool stuff. That's the like, thing. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. That, and I think I, you know, I don't know if you agree with me, but this is all feeds into the diversity of wine. It's getting totally. rid of, just making good wine, and yeah. getting rid well, of. And, go for and it. And also, like, also expanding who gets to define good. Exactly. And what and what good is, you know, like and, and that's a part of it, too, um, is is bringing more more voices in. And and I and w one of the things, too, that I don't want to sound like is I'm not like a wine anarchist where I'm like throw away everything, every bit of history, every of like I mean, and, and of course, the reality is that like some 
positions still require certifications and those certifications are standardized and share information. And then also it is good to be able to have a shared language to talk about wine across the world globally. Like when you meet someone and it's almost like, you know, kind of knowing the rules to be able to know how to break them Mm -hmm. um, is definitely something that like I highly encourage, not just like staying completely out of the mainstream. But one of the things that I was thinking about um, kind of in relationship to this conversation too, is this notion of like going where you're wanted. Um, And I I think that one of the things that um, is important in the conversation around diversity and wine is community um, and kind of people feeling like they can experience wine in a place that they feel comfortable and that they feel welcomed. And it's interesting. I look at movements like um, ABV that Jade Marley and crew are doing, um, anything but vinifera, and they're focusing on fruit wines and um, non-vinifera um, wines and co-ferments and alternative ferments and all of that. And it's such a diverse conference, and it is not a diversity movement. It's just a space where people from all types of backgrounds whether they're underrepresented in wine or not, feel comfortable. And to me, like that is a vision of the future. Like that's what I see is like not needing to have explicit conversations around diversity because we've created spaces in a way that multiple types of people feel welcomed um, or that all types of people feel welcomed, um, except for the types of people who don't feel like welcoming people, then right. of course they, they can just go like off and do their own like thing. That. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, well, that, but I mean, yeah. I, I love, I love that kind of stuff because it's where ideas start to thrive and it start to, it, it's where movements start to happen mm-hmm. where you start to get the, these creative collisions and these edge effects of sorts where it's like, Oh man, like you're doing that there. Maybe I need to try that here. And then all of a sudden these things that are happening in pockets start to expand and happen across the country and it's amazing that, you know, like ABV um, and is has been in New York and they're going to be in Oakland this coming year. And Jade is based in New York, but she's making a wine at Commonwealth Crush. And right. she just posted a couple of days ago that uh, she's going to be uh, that that Zwan Gray uh, just disgorged her first bottle of Petnat. That's a co-ferment with I Paul saw Pons. that. She did a video yes. of that, too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which is amazing. It's amazing. It, it's, a, it's incredible. And like all of these points of connection are, you know, like kind of emanating from a lot of different places, but from a similar place, like kind of at a soul level of wanting to see the wine world look like the real world, which is functionally a diverse place, but structurally not necessarily. Mm -hmm. And so we're just adding structures that like acknowledge people's existence and acknowledge the, the, like the fact that like their existence isn't necessarily, hasn't necessarily been made space for historically, but like now we're wanting to make space, um, you know, for that. And in the process, we're also expanding the wine industry as well. Um, so yeah, like more, more producers, more professionals, more customers, more ways for everyone to experience wine. I mean, you were at two up wine down, um, you know, like I, 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 I'm going to make a presumption and say that you likely would not be a recipient of many diversity scholarships. No. Um, and <laughs> you, no. you were there yeah. and you were welcome and you felt comfortable you. there. And yes. that's the point, yes. you know, like that's the point is for all of this stuff to be better for everybody. Right. I was there because I needed to witness history and I, that's yeah. what I'm seeing. I'm seeing something. And that, that was my, my kind of like 
rounding out question here was like, what's the future of yeah. diversity in wine? You just answered that question. I love the idea yeah. of one day we won't be talking about diversity in wine. Yeah. One day it'll just be wine and yeah. the way America looks making wine. And that's yeah. just awesome. If we build it. Exactly. It's not inevitable. It's no. I, I don't think it's inevitable. And I do. Th that's why I do think that it's important to call it out and important to intentionally build communities and initiatives and projects like Commonwealth Crush. I mean, they're so thoughtful in mm -hmm. the ways that they've been just inviting so many um, backgrounds and people from around the country into, you know, what they're doing in Virginia wine. And I, I, I mean, Mariam Ahmed um, of Mariam and co um, is doing field blends and she's doing wine tourism in such a unique way. And when I look at the pictures of all the people that are there, I see friends. And I also see people who I've followed on social media for a really long time and it looks super diverse as well. And it's not a diversity initiative. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. like, it's, I'm, you know, like they, it's just the way that you build things kind of attracts um, certain types of people. And so like, if you build things in inclusive ways and in thoughtful ways, and then, and you invite people into helping you co-build and co-create, and those folks come from a diversity of communities as well, then inherently you're going to see their networks become concentric with yours. And then you have diversity. Um, like, uh, yeah. And, and you can, you can tell, um, when it's authentic, um, mm -hmm. you know, and so some of those organizations can. that I've called out so far are, are doing that. And mm -hmm. like, I, the, the honestly, like the, I, I get, I get uncomfortable a lot of times talking so much about Inaverse and Virginia wine, because I don't want to, like, I, I'm not, I don't work for Virginia wine. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't like, I, I, I think that so many people across the country are doing so many cool things. Right. And in so many wine regions, the reason why I am comfortable though, talking about what we're doing is that case studies are often helpful in people replicating the work or being inspired exactly. and realizing that they too can do it. And that's really, I just want to say that, that that's why I'm talking so specifically about individuals and about organizations and about Virginia and universe and Commonwealth crush. Cause I'm like, y'all can do it too. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, and we, we need y'all to do it too. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like we need the, like, especially as an American and as, um, you know, like someone in wine here, I'd love to see American wine really become what it can become. Um, and it can become so many things. And I'm not here to try to define what I mean by what it can become. I think we should all be defining that, um, you know? And so, yeah, just wanted to say that too. That's awesome. I mean, like we are a very young country and yeah. our drinking culture is even younger. And yeah. there's, we go through, there's, we've gone through, eras and generations like we get to do more we get to yeah. take that next step because yeah. we define what the next step is you know i mean yeah. we get th like this country is evolving yeah and we this is why i like what you guys are doing down in virginia and i'm i'm sure i mean there's stuff happening all over the country and i think that's yes. why i wanted people to hear this i want people not just to yeah. hear about virginia but you're right everywhere we're we're in this yeah. new era we're in this new generation of, of wine in America. And it's extremely exciting. And, yes. and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, man. This was very awesome. I, I, I love that the wine one-on-one listeners got a chance to hear this conversation and it's extremely exciting. And just so you guys know, the wine that Reggie and Lance are making is amazing. <laughs> um, I, I, got, I, I was, you. I was honored to have a barrel tasting and I just thought yes. it was, 
I mean, honestly, man, like what you guys are doing with hybrids down there is so cool. I, I just, it's, Thank it's you. so cool. I, I love it's an American, it's, Amer it's American history in a, in a vine with hybrids. Yeah. It's, it's our, it's our, you know, flocks are, we mess it up. We fixed it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I like, I, it, it meant a lot of, a lot to me to be able to have you taste it as well. Like, I mean, I really appreciate like how much you've been championing so many um, people, like so many regions, like, I mean, you talk about diversity in all of the forms that we've been talking about it, Keith, like, I, like, I'm not even saying this because I'm on your podcast, but you're doing it. Oh. You're promoting it. Like you're creating so much space. You're highlighting so many people. And like, the reason why that's important is because it's raising awareness and visibility for more people to be able to support these projects and wine regions and wineries and producers and things like that. And that allows the work to be viable. And so like, you're absolutely a part of writing the history of the future of American wine too. Um, and so thank you for that. And it was I like, it was special for me to be able to share the wine with you. Oh, thanks, man. And I just, yeah, thank you. I, yeah. I think we would be lost if we didn't recognize what's happening and how exciting it is. Cause that's American yeah. wine, how exciting it is. And I think that, yeah. um, I appreciate that. Um, and I just yeah. want to make sure that, you know, I have a platform and I want, yeah. I want, I want to be a conduit for yeah. the future of American wine as well. But like you, yeah. I thank you very much, but you guys, man, I just, <laughs> you're doing down there's amazing. So it's <laughs> so cool. You. All right, can man. I get, can I do a couple of quick shout outs? Oh, too, please do. Also, we need to follow. We need, we need shout outs. We need to whatever yeah. you want. Do you want websites, Instagram yeah, accounts? Yeah. Hit it, hit it. Yeah, excellent. So, I mean, I shared some folks, but I'm just going to run down as a list so that it's like a little bookmarkable thing. But some organizations to keep an eye out for um, the Raisin Project, Wine Unify, the Roots Fund, the Hughes Society, Black Wine Professionals, Hispanics and Wine, Co Fermented the Batonage Forum, Association of African-American Vintners, the 280 Project, Inaverse, of course, Black Women Who Wine here in Virginia, a couple of people to keep an eye out for. I mentioned Sadell McCall. Of course, most of your listeners probably are familiar with Elaine Chacon Brown, um, who's doing so much deep writing. Sydney Love is a name that you all absolutely absolutely should be following and writing. Um, Mariam Ahmed, I mentioned, um, and then Kelly Cornette down in Atlanta doing a cork in the road. Um, these are some folks that like are highlighting so much of the work in diversity um, or so much of the work being done by such a broader variety of people um, than have historically been represented in wine and um, they're definitely worth following, um, you know, to kind of keep along and, and to support as well so that they can continue the work that they're doing too. Oh man, course, I'm so glad well we have a pause button on these podcasts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say also it down. Wine pause. 101. You got a Vine Pair and Wine 101 also. Right, right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, y'all's Next Wave Awards and Vine Pair 50 and all of that. I mean, again, y'all are doing the work. Thank like you. Are doing it, and you're not like calling it a diversity award or anything like that because it's not. No. But like you're just being very thoughtful and um, expansive in the ways that you're viewing what people are doing, and that's that's super necessary. Because it's fun, and we love it. It is fun. It's it so fun. fun. My God, I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. Absolutely. Vine Pair Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. 
And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. EMJ Gallo Winery is excited to sponsor this episode of Vine Pairs Wine 101. Gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide spectrum of favorites, ranging from everyday to luxury and sparkling wine. Gallo also makes award-winning spirits, but this is a wine podcast. Whether you are new to wine or an aficionado, Gallo welcomes you to wine. Visit thebarrelroom.com today to find your next favorite, where shipping is available.